0: John from the Listen In Podcast. This is episode... We can call it either episode 34 and a half, or we can call it episode 35. Make uh, it 3, 2, 1. Decision. What is it?
1: We've got to decide, actually, if this falls into a 10 minutes or less. It's longer.
0: Yeah. I. You know, I think this is going to end up being... We'll see. We'll, we'll decide well, after. The,
1: by the time you're listening to this, it has it been named name. and it's been name. added to SoundCloud and, by extension, iTunes and other podcast uh, listening and downloading services. That's right. So you know the name, listeners. So tweet us the name um, <laughs> and, and let <laughs> from us from the future. Yeah, give <laughs> us give us your feedback. <laughs> Hashtag Future Pod. All
0: right, that was a weird way to start this episode. It sure off. was. So we did. We were at Newport Folk Fest, as you know, because we did our Newport Folk Fest recap podcast. And one of the crowning moments of that festival was Father John Misty's performance on Saturday. Um, and we wanted to dive in deeper on Father John Misty and look at him outside of the context of Newport Folk Festival. Yeah. And talk about him more in the context of who, what, what this guy's all about and who he is as an artist, what he means to music and to culture in 2016. Basically what he represents,
1: because I think we, we actually went in a decent amount of depth in the Newport Folk Breakdown podcast, and uh, but like I said on that episode, um, I don't think we really even scratched the surface. There's a lot to be said about this Josh Tillman
0: character. There is. So the thing that I want to start out with is, and this is something I've thought about this constantly since we saw him on Saturday. I haven't been able to get his performance out of my head Or just what he's all about out of my head. So the more I think about it, the more I think that Father John Misty, a.k.a. Josh Tillman, I think he might be one of the most important artists that we have right now. I think he might be the 2016 version of a Bob Dylan or one of these spokespeople for a a generation of people or at least a subset of people of a generation. What do you think about that? Is that outside the lines there? Is that too no. far-fetched to say?
1: Um, after Fear Fun, I would have said that's outside the lines. After I Love You Honey Bear, I would have thought maybe still a bit of a stretch. But, given the amount of importance and sort of overall stature he has started to gain in the culture, the his popularity alone is more than I ever really expected or knew. Um, this is a guy who, when he speaks, people listen, and, you know, like we were talking about, he's a little polarizing, maybe you hate him and what he represents, maybe you love him and what he represents either way this is a person who i feel like is is still in the rising action of their fame and of yes, their I agree. and of yep. of his Great um point. and of his importance and cultural significance i have a feeling father john misty is is slated to end up being like really famous because and important and like we because he's when he when he talks and when he when he speaks out and when he says something interesting it does seem like it has that effect where the internet will kind of go crazy about it, or if you're there to experience it, it really is sort of an interesting experience.
0: So two two things. One, so he's not necessarily this unifying figure, a unifying voice right now. And is that a product of musical taste being so fractured as it is now in in the 21st century? I think or- it has to be. Or is it because like it's not possible to have that unifying figure anymore with the internet and with the way social media works and the twenty four hour news cycle? Is it a mixture of both?
1: I think it is, and so like I think the the, the sort of the trope you want to go with with a guy like this, and I think he still has some proving himself to do For sure. to prove yeah. that this isn't a flash in the pan thing. Right. But the, the sort of easy media label you want to throw on a guy like this is a voice of a generation type thing. The problem with that kind of a classification is that today, like you said, with all the genres that are now represented and all the music you can stream any time, um, you look to rap, look to any other su- other genre, you could label several people of the sort of the voice of their generation. I would say Father John is sort of the modern voice of basically the jaded, privileged, white male. Or white person.
0: Yeah, It's okay. someone who
1: has yeah. only really ever known comfort and... And, you know, is lashing out at that fact.
0: Yes. I, great point. I am very, very happy you brought this up. So one of the things that I said in a previous podcast, it was our Best Albums of 2016 podcast, or 2015 podcast, excuse me, we said that To Pimp a Butterfly was the best album of 2015. I, I agree it probably was the quote-unquote best my favorite, and the one that I related to the most, was I Love You, Honey Bear by Father John Misty. Because it felt like an album that was written for me by someone who can understand the things that I deal with and think about. And as great as To Pip a Butterfly is, it's not something that I can totally hold on to or is for me. And I think that's what I that's what I'm saying about Father John Misty being a voice... For certain people, it is that voice of white privilege, really, which doesn't really need a voice. But you know, if you're dealing with you know mental health, anxiety, depression, some of the things he talks about, you know, you're a person. You the yuppie you, pain, Yuppie pain. You you need a voice for that, you know. And the thing is, is we've we've spoke to this with Blood
1: Orange, and you just said it. Where an album like *The Pimp a Butterfly*, an album like *What's Blood Orange's*, oh, Freetown Sound. Those kinds of albums, like you said, they're not really for us. We may very well appreciate them. We may we may very well really enjoy them and love listening to them and love the songs and love the lyrics. Um, but yeah, a Father John is a guy who's cut from the same cloth. He he gets our experience, and and in a similar way to the ways I think that I can speak for both of us in saying that we view it, he sort of is is railing against. Because the funny thing is, is it, it could be easily misconstrued. If you listen to this podcast and you're not familiar with Father John Misty, it might sound like we're saying like he's a white guy singing for white guys, which we need right now. Yeah, oh, dude. and that's oh, not God, at no. all the God, point. No. Basically, he is poking fun at and really sort of desperately trying to pick away at um, the culture of, of privilege and of of people just. Um, taking
0: everything we have, all that we enjoy for granted. That's a lot he talked about at Newport Film Festival. Absolutely, and I think that's a great point to bring up, is that he's saying, like, look, you have been afforded all of this privilege. You, you know, people in your position feel like they deserve it. And that's not the case. Why are we well off when other people aren't? And it's kind of the feelings that come about based on that, and kind of the facade of all of this privilege, and how it's doesn't mean anything
1: yeah and he father john i think more than any other artist that i can think of lyrically um he really seems to struggle with grapple with and sort of maybe come out on top with some sort of message about the meaninglessness of life and and sort of objects we go out and buy and art we attribute importance to and in just sort of events we go to, and people we meet, and relationships we make, he is one of these guys who has this mentality of, ultimately, unless you have something really firm you believe in, what is any of that for? What does any of that really mean? Yeah. And I think that's the sort of the crux of a lot of his music, is ultimately all this stuff we hold true, it could all be gone tomorrow, and it wouldn't really matter
0: in terms of survival or anything like that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I think this is a good thing to bring up with Father John Misty is, let's talk about that moniker, Father John Misty. So, yeah. this is a moniker that he bestowed upon himself. It's kind of like this alter ego character that he developed with his first album, Fear Fun, and then has continued on with. But Talking about the his, I don't think you can just talk about Father John Misty. I think you have to talk about Josh Tillman as a person. So, he started out, he came from a very heavily religious background, I think... Um, I forget what type of, what sect of Christianity, but very strict parents. Um, grew up, he said it himself. He was like culturally kind of. He he didn't have access to a lot of culture, basically. Uh, he was allowed to listen to Bob Dylan when he was growing up because that was deemed Christian music. Remember when he had his... Saved. When he had his, his Christian, uh, you know, born-again era. Stint. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it was like knocked out, loaded, saved, um, infidels.
1: The album cover for Saved is ridiculous, by the way. That hand coming out of the
0: clouds. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, dude, like, laid on a little more thick. Bobby. Um, also, what happened? Seriously, he kind of dropped that. Yeah. Anyways, so... Tillman was allowed to listen to that. Um, ends up moving to Seattle. Records some folk music by himself. Nothing revolutionary. Gets a little bit of play. Ends up joining Fleet Foxes in 2008. Drums for him. As a drummer. Uh, also is releasing some other solo folk stuff under the name Jay Tillman. Ends up quitting Fleet Foxes after they ended their tour for Helpness' Blues in, I think, 2012. Comes out kind of rebrands himself, kind of reinvents himself under this Father John Misty name for his debut album Fear Fun. And it seemed like on Fear Fun he was still figuring out what he wanted to say and what he wanted to be, because you have a mixture of just really straight-ahead folk songs. You have some psychedelic folk, psychedelic rock on there. You have some things where he's talking about real stuff. Like on that song where he's talking about how much oil does it take to make a record, which he played at Newport, which, he which I thought was awesome. Yep, that one was a song where he he started to talk about real shit. Then you have other songs that are just kind of fantastical still. Like I'm I'm writing a novel and Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where
1: he's still on Fear Fun. He's still drawing a lot on old musical traditions, especially musically. There's a lot of songs on there that sound kind of like old country tropes, old folk tropes, old bluesy sort of, you know, uh, just tried and true song structures over which he's overlaying really funny just amusing and and, and and thoughtful lyrics but I think that song I can never remember the name of it the one about uh, try not to think about how much oil it takes it's to like learning
0: to love the war or something
1: yeah that song is a hint of what you start to get on Honey
0: Right, Bear. that's like as honest and as real as he's getting
1: where he I don't know how he does it where I wouldn't say that Father John Misty is a guy who's melody first his melodies aren't exactly no. groundbreaking They are they are interesting his songs always compel me I, it's so interesting to me the way he's able to weave in such depth of like the depth of his lyrics in a way that makes sense in the context of a song because he fits in straight up diatribes about about social constructs about you know consumerism whatever capitalism love romance what you know whatever it is like I love you honey bear we talked about this on that same podcast you just referenced the end of twenty fifteen episode of the listen and podcast where we talked about I Love You Honey Bear and I remember saying Father John is a person who understands why love is silly and he sees that people make fun of it and he kind of makes fun of them on another level. He makes fun of love, the things
0: that are like easy to make fun of and then kind of himself all in one. But he also knows that it means something. That like, maybe he doesn't feel love in the way that greeting cards and commercials tell you it is. He feels it in this other way that feels pure to him, and that's what he ended up writing his his second album, "I Love You, Honeybear," about. And that's really where I think Father John Misty, this character, yeah. this this moniker, came into his own. And I think well, he had a ton of success with with that album, a lot of success, more than maybe he thought.
1: Yeah, a lot of critical acclaim and and more uh, popular, but accla- well, dude, because he went on. Um, it was either Conan or Letterman or something yeah. he put on a great performance yeah. of Bored in the, he did a whole circuit of late night shows and sort of just lit it up with every one I think he did Holy Shit on one of them he did Bored in the USA on another I Love You Honey Bear on another and he killed all those performances yeah. he gave a,
0: people a glimpse of what we saw at the House of Blues right and what has ended up happening is he has become he's reached a level of popularity that maybe he didn't expect and that I think he might kind of resent right now. So, he as a man, Josh Tillman, he's a guy. He has adopted this Father John Misty moniker and character as a way to like do different stuff in a musical context, in an artistic context. And based on what we heard at Newport from a new song, I, I think he's maybe starting to rethink that label of himself as Father John Misty and what that actually means. Because a lot of the things that he was saying was, like, the people who are coming out to my shows, they don't get it. They're, they, they're just, like, begging for some kind of truth or experience from me. And, like, they they don't really get it. And, and he was talking about the, the college guys who pretend to like him or pretend to understand him and stuff like that. And I think a lot of that rings true because when we saw him at House of Blues in Boston, I was actually kind of blown away by, like, the... Dude, it was a yuppie, privileged, white college audience who... Us included. Us included, but a lot of them didn't seem to necessarily be interested in the the songs themselves. They're like, I'm at a Father John Misty concert. I'm here to just like have a good time.
1: It's the thing to do. Well, dude, it was even in that show Master of None uh, with That's his am right. sorry. It, it feels like Father John has seeped into the culture as the cool sort of it thing to go see if he's in your town. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say about him? I think no matter what iteration of his career he's at, he's going to end up lashing out at the last thing yeah. he was. He's the type of guy who, and we've seen artists like this before, Bob Dylan is an example, Kurt Cobain is another example where no matter what they're doing, it's it seems to sicken someone like Father John, or any of the others I mentioned, to their core, the idea that someone could peg them, have them defined, and say, this is what Father John's about, yep. he's the guy who writes and makes fun about the idea of romance and makes fun of this and that. The other thing about that, that you just reminded me of is, and I'm gonna quote him, he says um, in, in one of his songs, I think it's the night Josh Tillman came over. Came, came to o- our apartment. Yeah, I, I might be wrong about the song title. Is that the one where he says, of the many things I hate about her, ones yeah. are petty vogue ideas? I think that's what he's starting to see with the crowds yeah. who are coming to his shows. He's like, people are just here to make sort of an empty attempt at being in vogue at being cool and saying and labeling themselves as they get it and the funny thing is, is is he could look out in the crowd and not distinguish between the people who really do and the people who are just there to he, he may, may very well have a more jaded view of it than is deserved right because I, I think that's the, the inherent problem with this type of a, sort of a self-loathing figure like Father John is is he goes out there and he says this stuff it actually reminds me a lot of John Lennon Because he'll go out there and he'll say things and write these big, sweeping things and then disassociate himself from it so soon after. As soon as anyone catches a whiff of associating with it or, like, latching onto it and be like, oh, this is so amazing, I so get it. He then doesn't think it's
0: cool to be a part of that Yeah, and that's exactly what we saw at Newport with this new song he had where he was basically just like... I am he's he's it feels like he's starting to distance himself from who this father John Misty character is and that's why this guy is so fascinating to me because like you said he's someone who's just distancing himself from the popularity he's had or from the the popular the accolades that have been bestowed upon him and it's like what is he going to do next you you never know and it's really really interesting to me though because the type of music that he's playing, it's it's pretty straightforward, just like folk, indie rock music. And I think this might be a reason why he might not catch on with a more widespread audience because I think it's hard for that type of music right now to maybe mean as much as it used to be able to, like with a Dylan. I think when you look now at who the, the voice of... A generation is in terms of music. You're looking at a Kendrick Lamar. You're looking at Beyonce, um, but they seem to be doing it in a different way than he is.
1: the The reason I think, and actually, this is you mentioned Beyonce. This is an important part of I think why he's reached the stature he has now. Even more so than Off the Heels of Honeybear is that there was that whole thing on the internet about how Father John submitted, what was it, lyrics or melodies to the new Beyoncé album? I yep. think it was lyrics. Yep. Or something. He sang part of a song and he just sort of wrote it for her. If he
0: gets... He got a writing credit, basically, r- on the new record. Exactly. Yeah.
1: If Father John gets the Bonnie Vare treatment, where he is all of a sudden this like white indie rock artist that these titans of R&B and rap deem cool and allow into the fold. If that should happen and he embraces it, he is in store for a lot of fame. Because I think will he embrace that though? I don't know. It I really don't know. But he,
0: or will he be like, "Oh, now there's this other mainstream audience who has started to embrace me for the wrong reasons in right. his mind."
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is like I get the feeling from him that this is all this all could be in the cards. You know, I could hear his voice in, like, a beat or something. Like, he is a cool, distinctive voice that could work across genres. But, like, we've talked about, is he too self-loathing? Is he too anti-virtually-everything to, to just give in and, and have fun with something like that? Like, a Justin Vernon, I think he was willing to go along for the ride. Yes. You read interviews from back when he did Twisted Fantasy with Kanye, he was like, what's better we, than this? Like We, like, went to Hawaii and smoked weed. We smoked pot for a week in Hawaii with Kanye and Rihanna and, like... Nicki Minaj was there doing her things. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. I feel like Father John could do some of that, but the impression I get is that he'll always feel a little empty about uh, stuff. A part of me feels like Father John thinks he's above that. Right, and, and and that might be to his discredit a little bit if he, you know, I don't know. It depends how much he's able to define his own trajectory.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So the other thing I wanted to talk about with him is he seems to be the master of Twitter headlines. Yeah. And this goes back to even past the events of the, of last week. Um, if you look over the past year, he's had so many interesting little tidbits. So one was that Taylor Swift thing where he, he... Ryan Adams came out with that cover of 1989. So then Father John Misty did a cover of one of the covers that Ryan Adams did, poking fun at the whole idea of doing covers of this. I, I really don't think he likes Ryan Adams, by no, the he, way. No, he doesn't. I no. think he thinks he's a fucking schmuck.
1: I read, well, I read an interview post that whole thing going down. It might have been Rolling Stone. I think I saw that someone tweeted out. And he said um, he thought the whole Ryan Adams cover album thing of 1989, he called it, and I got some humor out of it because he said this word a couple different times yeah. in the interview and he seemed like such a guy who would throw this word around a lot. He called it a grotesque display. <laughs> yes, he was like he was like it was just grotesque. He said it again about something else, like like probably fast food <laughs> or something. Him. He like he he thinks everything's grotesque and like and just too and you know just a horrifying display of consumerist, just pandering to it for money. It's I, he's not wrong though. No, he's not wrong. Here's so. here's my question: Is he, or when will he get to the point that he is if he's
0: not already? More famous than Fleet Foxes, I think he already is. More famous, yeah. Because Fleet Foxes, it's weird to say this. We're almost they're kind of a flash in the pan at this. Not a flash in the pan. They're they're kind of like an oh yeah, oh yeah. I remember Fleet Foxes now. Obviously not for us, right. Especially if you weren't into them as much as we were. If yeah, if you were just like a regular casual music fan. In the late 2000s to early 2000s, you're like oh yeah, Fleet Foxes was a thing. Yeah. Father John has had now as many albums in triple the headlines, and the and to you know to that point about more headlines. He talked about I've never listened to Taylor Swift until I did this cover song. Yeah. Then there was the story about him going and doing LSD at a Taylor Swift concert. Then there was the um, the Beyonce writing credit. Then there was this story that came out about a month ago about him, like, stealing this crystal from an L.A. juicery or something like that. (laughs) Like, what
1: a father... Dude, there's no more Father John Misty sentence than one that includes uh, crystal and L.A. juicery. (laughs) Also, also, I think part of his appeal, and I'm just kind of sort of piecing this together now, so I hope it's coherent, but... This impression I've always gotten of him is like, I don't really understand, it's actually similar to Fleet Fox's in that with him, I don't fully understand his frame of reference. Like, where the hell is he totally coming from with this? And the interesting thing is, you mentioned his past, where he was sort of sheltered from culture and all that, and in that Rolling Stone interview that I read a while ago, he talked about how he didn't listen to that much music growing up, he didn't have that many records. He didn't really remember, so it seems like he's this person who like has been... Unleashed into the wild yeah. now of culture, and has fully embraced the drugs and the and everything, and like the music, and his like he did
0: not have ever heard Taylor Swift before. He might have even been lying about that. He probably was. That's but the it, thing, he's that's that's the genius of this guy. <laughs> you don't know what is a troll job and what's genuine and what's not. Everything he might be doing is a, could be a con on yeah. you, and like the joke is now on you because you don't get it. That's kind of what I love about this guy. He is probably playing us right now because we are coming from a place of like, we're trying to understand this guy. He's like, no, 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 fuck you. You think I'm zigging? I'm actually zagging right now. Right. Well, Chokes on you. How much of that zag is him being like, shit, they kind of got me.
1: I have to yeah, act like I'm zagging. That's the thing, now. and that's
0: why this guy fascinates me because, Jake, I do that to an extent myself. Really? Where I'm just, yes, I see a lot of myself in, in and this is such a douchebag thing to say, I see a lot of my personality traits in Father John Misty in, in the okay. fact that, like, I want to think I'm more complex than I actually am. I want to think that I have all these heady, weighty, profound ideas that maybe in reality is just me being a nihilistic asshole. You know, I, I think there's a lot of that. You know, some self-loathing in there. Like, there's a lot of that where it's just like, I'm this misunderstood person and... You know, if you think you get me, you actually don't. And I think that's maybe what he speaks to with a lot of people who like his music and like him.
1: Yeah, and I would say that like, I've definitely had similar thoughts myself, where sometimes it, it can be easy to become a little self-congratulatory, a little back Oh, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah, I get Father John. He's probably someone who always thinks he's getting it. Yep. And the, the idea of a couple privileged white dudes in New Hampshire sitting there podcasting... Dude, he about fucking his hates hate. us. He hates us. Well, what I was saying is, like, I actually was going to bring this up, is if Father John listened to this, would he like it or not? Yeah,
0: dude, he would hate every second of this. Which is great. That probably means it's right. But maybe, maybe that's the thing about him. You Who don't knows? know. You don't know. Because even if it was, he wouldn't let on. Because, coming from my perspective, I wouldn't fucking let on, dude. Like, right. if I'm up there, like he was at Newport and I had Ryan Adams throwing barbs at me, and I had other people throwing barbs at me, of course I would respond with the way that he did, with this nonchalant, like, oh, I'm smarter than you joke that he's laying down. Right,
1: it's exactly the route he took. And uh, to be honest with you... It didn't fully play with the audience. It, it With oh. some people it did. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was so funny. And I, and I obviously I like him, I think, more than Ryan Adams. I haven't listened to Ryan Adams that much, but I have a feeling it's safe to say I like him more than Ryan Adams. So it was fine with me that he was making fun of it. And also when people left the show and he was making fun of them for that. Yeah, it was loved a, it. Yeah. He did kind of go on and on. And I love when he was like, I'm playing songs I realize at, at a glacial pace at this point. And at that point he was like, Forty minutes
0: into his set, I think he played like five songs,
1: maybe fewer. Yeah, it was like he he was really going pretty slow. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, truly a fascinating guy, and, and, and Newport really only solidified that yeah. for me, um, and made me really really excited for the potential for a new album. So we got some activity. This this new song was released, "Real Love Baby," which okay, I, I want to yeah, I want to talk about "Real Love" for a second. Is this song because it's so funny? It's like. Talk about zagging when everyone else is zigging. Oh, just when we think Father John is releasing that 15-minute song, for example, he played at Newport where everything was confessional and it was vulnerable, and just when we think his lyrics can't get any smarter, he kind of goes the other way and goes with this sort of just like
0: jangly little pop so folk So this is the genius of Father John, I think. So when this came out on SoundCloud, when this appeared, I think it was a month or two ago, he goes... This is something I did a little while ago. It's not going to be on LP3. Figured I'd throw it out there because there's no other like context for it. And I listened to it. And the takeaway I got from it was that Real Love is him poking fun at that jangly 60s pop love song thing. And him saying, not in so many words, but com- being like, you know what? Look how easy it is to churn out this bullshit pop song and i could just do this and people would eat it up and you like the song i love the song i do too. I love it i I think it's great i've listened to ton but i think he's being just like here's this nothing song i can churn out a bunch of these if you want me to it doesn't mean shit
1: but the funny thing is is he's in that zone as an artist and he set himself up for this like you said um where he could do it in sincerity he could do it as a joke and no matter which way people read it he can either say he can either say, "Okay, you're wrong. You didn't get it," or he can come out and say, "You know, like it, it was the opposite of what you thought all along." You know what I mean? Like so, he's or if there's accolades, basically about it being this this great pop hit, he can just take that. Right. You know what I mean? It could have been a joke all along, right. all along. But if people love Real right. Life Baby, right, and he he just sort of just sit there and take it, doesn't have to really say anything right. more.
0: And I think getting, getting past some of that stuff where he might be zigging when you think he's going to zag, what I really think his quote-unquote truth is going to be is on this third album, yeah. based on the songs we heard at Newport. So I think one of the coolest things that he is talking about right now is what it means to be a musical artist right now. Kind of the capitalist... Money making side of being a performer and being, um, you know, an artist and re- releasing records, and I think, you know, a lot of the criticism he received after this experience he had at that New Jersey performance where he he left the stage early, a lot of people were saying, you know what, people paid money to come see you, you owe it to them to to put on a show no matter how you're feeling. I think that's fucking bullshit. I think. As an artist, as someone who has a brain and their own thoughts, you can do whatever the fuck you want. If you're a real Father John Misty fan and you like understand what he's about, you understand that that could be a possibility when you go to one of his shows. If we were there in that New Jersey crowd and he left the stage, yes, I'd be disappointed I'd get to hear his songs, but I'd be like, holy shit, Like this guy just got up here said his bit about how he's feeling in the state of affairs right now and like I got to hear his take on it, I'd be all about that.
1: Yeah, and it's like what I was saying where at Newport, the things I was loving the songs, but his the the bits after the songs when he would kind of go off for a little bit that was the stuff I was really enjoying right. and actually I hate to say this because it sounds sort of it sounds sort of like self-indulgent and a little petty, but I was jealous of the people that experienced the New Jersey thing, because I realized, I was like, I thought I experienced this sort of monumental moment, this big news story. Really, was, that was the night before. It was only in the wake of something yeah, else. Yeah, what, 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 right. we what we saw was just him post a big thing. Right. Um, so yeah, and, and the thing is, 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 with LP3, I agree. I think we're going to get uh, potentially an interesting lyrical breakthrough for him and some themes that he hasn't explored yet. The 15 minute song he sampled, or however long it was, he said 15 minutes, um, at the, the show, uh, there were lyrics in there about um, one experience where he was choking and it, and he was hearing music while his mom, it was in a department store, and his, right. his mother had yeah. to like, save him, and the whole time all he could hear was this pop song, and, and I was
0: excited to hear what song it was. I don't know. Oh, it was Sweet Dreams, I think.
1: But I don't think it was Sweet Dreams or Made of These. Or this, it was was like another one. It was like it it was one I didn't know. Some people laughed. I think they got the reference. I didn't know the song. Fleetwood Mac song. It could have been. It could have been. There was also lyrics. It was a very like. It was like an '80s era Fleetwood Mac song. I think. Yeah, that could very well be. But that was an interesting lyric. So it sounds like he's taking a look back. He also is looking. Well, he was looking at his past because he was singing about how he drummed for a while in Fleet Foxes. Like you said, maybe a subtle sort of shot across the bow. Like, I drummed for a little bit, now here I am. Yep. I'm now Father John Misty. Yep. And you guys are on hiatus maybe forever. That's right. And I drummed with you for a little bit. That's all it was.
0: Yeah. He... So, I want to talk about his, his fan base for a second and who, okay. who makes that up. Because when we're talking about, you know, you're talking for a generation of people, you're talking for a group of people... It really seems to only be a certain demographic, though. We've touched on this. It seems to be that white, privileged, college-aged, 20-something person. Does that hurt him in any way? Sure. Because when we we went to go see him in Boston, it was very much that crowd. It was like this wannabe, free-spirit, hippie type of person.
1: Right, and the funny thing is, is he was making fun of the people who were the wannabes... And we're acting like him or posturing like him. Uh, I think where he could have some cross-cultural appeal is he does seem very interested and invested in um, advancement for underprivileged sort yes. of minority groups. And I mentioned this in the other podcast, but it's such a good story like when he said a real folk hero, if we're going to talk about real folk, will emerge from... A minority group in the U.S. and there will be a revolution, and all of us are going to have to die. And again, the crowd got sort of hushed when he said that. I think you could hear kind of a pin drop. Of people like, okay, like he's he's verging on maybe a little scary now. Yep. But I was eating it up because I thought that was one of the truest things I've ever heard a performer or anyone say about anything. It's so true. If revolution really happens, if there's really an uprising of the of the sort of the, the bottom classes in society, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be a happy little, you know, revolution like people might want to think. Like college students who love maybe Bernie Sanders think revolution what it is. Right. You know, it's not what it would be. Right. It, it would it would be through chaos. Right. And he knows that. But he also hates everything that, like, his upbringing in his class represents. So he's almost in this group where. He almost like roots for it, right? I hope it does happen, right? You know, I hope we do get overthrown
0: because it would only be fair. And we've talked about this before, where it's like we we had a discussion about what actual political revolution is, and it it's 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 blood in the streets is what it is. So Yeah. yeah, I think he's absolutely right. That really resonated with me. I thought that was great. Oh, it did for me as well. And I think it like turned a lot of people off. Um, where you saw a lot of the older people in the crowd start to file out,
1: right? And it's possible they were going to see Patty Smith. That makes a lot of sense, actually. But they were leaving in droves, and he did come out. He was like, "I can't help but notice this mass exodus." Right. Um, so that was, it was, it was such an interesting
0: experience, you know, and I, an interesting guy, and you know, I don't know. The he he was taking a lot of a lot of heat on social media for for leaving the stage early. Um, and I gotta say, I think all those people are completely wrong. I don't think they understand at all what he's trying to say about how you know music the music industry it's just a fucking business. There's no difference between the music industry or you know big oil or the fast food industry. Everyone's trying to make a buck. Everyone is trying to sell you a lie to make money. Yeah. And maybe that's the that's a completely jaded and a nihilistic way to look at it and nothing matters everyone's just trying to screw you over and cut your throat and take your wallet but at the same time like you know we talked about this in the podcast with Newport Folk we you know i think this happens every time we go to a show where it's it's hyped up as this great experience and this life-changing thing did it it's there to make money
1: so much of life is sold to you so much of the experiences you'll take in when you get there you know no matter what it is whether you're getting married whether you're doing i don't know what buying a house getting right. a dog having yep. a kid there are great things about it yep. but so much of what we know in 2016 after decades mm-hmm. of culture dominating and being a force that teaches us about what life will be and and just really being our frame of reference for how life should end up all we know is what we've seen in, in, in commercials and in sitcoms.
0: And, and, that's and wh- those
1: are the feelings we think we're supposed to and, feel. And, and
0: that's what he's getting at with this whole thing. He, he, I think he's talking about how entertainment work, this society is just gluttonous on, on e- entertainment.
1: And that's actually what he and, said. That yeah, was the and big we're point. Just,
0: we have just overindulged in entertainment and it's made us fat, dumb, and happy and like we're owed something and that we expect a certain thing at all these different experiences, and that's just not the case.
1: Well, that's what he said in the, the rant in, at the New Jersey Festival. Um, he was saying, you know, I I can't feel happy right now. He's like, we all want to be entertained. Actually, this was at our show. Yeah. Where he said, we all want to be entertained, but right now I'm not feeling very entertaining, and I wasn't yesterday. He said, I think right now is a time to feel sadness, to feel actual despair and really feel that, and just own up to the fact that, you know the state of affairs right now it's sad some of the things that are happening whether it's Trump's just absolutely incomprehensible rise to borderline being the president or all the the sort of the the tensions between police officers and and, and black people it's been a rough go these past couple
0: months 2016 has been a shit year for so many different reasons
1: is it the nineteen sixty eight of this decade? It
0: absolutely is. Do you think so? Without a doubt. I just
1: think the it most is. tumultuous
0: it is. It is. where things are reaching ahead. We've lost so many great artists and figures. Yeah. We've had so much political just turmoil. Yeah. We've had so much violence. I you know, he absolutely nails it when he's like, I can't be happy right now. Like let's take a look at the world we're in. And we're using entertainment to numb us to it and, and turn a blind eye to the real shit that's happening.
1: Well, I mean, and you do have to think about that because in the days leading up to going to the folk festival, sometimes you see some of the news and you're like, oh, well, at least I have this festival I'm going to. At least I have this party at my house later. At least I'm going to the movies. I think his his one of his larger points is that all of that is just escapism. Yeah. And if you, I mean, we're doing it right now. We're assigning. So much importance to this guy, to this singer. We're doing kind of exactly what he says. We're not doing. To, he,
0: he, they'll they'll pay you to for the for truth. You know.
1: And and the, the whole thing is, it's it's just escapism. It's just to ignore what's really happening. But well, what because ends up, we have been born into a situation where we can just do that with impunity.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. But. I think what ends up being important and worthwhile are when people like him get up there and make you take a look at that and yeah. take a look at what your privilege is and how maybe you're turning a blind eye to all this stuff that's happening and that, you know, going to a a show, a folk fest or whatever it might be, you know, that take a look at it for what that is. You're escaping, that's entertainment for you. Yeah. You think there's truth in that. You think you're maybe Better than because you're going to this. That's not that's not the case because they're selling you shit itself. Just just like any other industry, is. right?
1: That's one of the things I think he probably found to quote him grotesque about Newport Folk. Now, is if you're going and you don't understand the hypocrisy of still calling it Newport right. Folk Festival, right? You uh, you kind of are missing a larger point. People are there and they think it's it's you're there to ha- just have fun and let loose and be part of a community, which again you are. But it, you can't believe that you're, you're going to this festival that's this transformative thing that's going to change the world or anything. And maybe no one thinks that. I don't know. But
0: uh, There are people who do. And, you know, as much as I loved going, we were poking fun at, like, the the Twitter how can you culture not? How can of you it, not? a folk on, and what a grit, my folk family. It's like, dude, that's the kind of shit that Father John is, like, poking fun at and saying this is all bullshit. Because, honestly, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I... You know, So on well, reached to, the loss of words. To see, and that's that's what Father John will make you do. We just did 45 minutes on this guy. So it's not a 10 minutes or less. No, anymore. no. It's, this is a full episode. We'll, we'll, we'll do it on Father John. If you have not listened to this guy, or you don't know much about him, I implore you to do so, because I really do think he is one of the defining voices of this generation um, in kind of what it means to be an artist, or what it means to even you know, be a person. I, You know, I Love You, Honey Bear was one of the most just gut-wrenchingly honest records I've ever heard. Um, if you haven't listened to him, I implore you to listen.
1: Yeah, and he's just someone where... I mean, we're a music podcast at the end of the day. I mean, we just talked a lot about other shit. Uh, but it's important. But the thing is, is this is a guy who you know, I think we're already, the ship has already sailed on this, but this is a guy to watch. Absolutely. You you should, if you are interested. He's still on the come up. Right. If you're interested in who are the people that are going to be shaping music, like, keep your eye on Father John Misty. That's sort of the, the the major, like, the headline of this podcast, is like, this is a guy worth watching. He's really interesting. I mean... Uh, that's the whole reason we even dedicated a full episode to exactly. just talking about
0: him. Exactly. Um, you know, keep your eye on those Twitter headlines for him too. I'm sure he'll be... Yeah. And and give him a follow on Twitter. Absolutely. And Instagram. Yeah, very worth following on both. Hilarious. Very funny.
1: Yeah, hilarious, like just quippy and like sort of absurdist. Yeah. Sort of, like, you know what I mean? But knows what he's doing with it. Right, You know. Yeah. Very worth following. Anyways, follow. yeah.
0: So that was our Father John Misty talk. I'd love to know what you guys think about him. You can reach us at Twitter... Are on Twitter at Level Four Underscore Media. Uh, give us a follow there. You know, rate us on iTunes if you enjoyed this. Follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, basically whatever your favorite podcast listening network is. Just give us a follow on there. We'd appreciate it.
1: Yep, yeah, we love any interaction. So
0: yep. So your you know, if you hate Follow John Misty, if you think he was totally wrong, let us know. I want to I want to hear the other side of this. Get at us. Yeah, get at us yeah. on let let Twitter. Us, and, let us know. Yeah, let us and, know,
1: and and we'll. We'll engage right back. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. But uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. is on hot mic hot mic it's speaking hot of hot mics we had a literal hot mic that died on us so. we had a
1: mic that maybe the inter so I imagine and I don't know because I'm no <whistles> a, uh, uh, siren sounds going by singing their siren song um, I'm no uh, engineer Sean you know I've never been mis- mistook for an engineer uh, that's Goddamn sure. But I would imagine that within a microphone, it's like the structure of the inner ear, and that any one little bone or like cochlea
0: that gets mi- disrupted or drum uh, ruins the mic. I don't know enough about ears to dispute any of that or microphones for that matter. so I'm gonna go with yeah, that going probably We're have is, to roll with it. Yeah, that's probably accurate. So two pods in one night, I like it. Two pods in one night, we're working double time here for the listeners. Yeah, and they going to show us some love who don't give a fuck about us. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding because honestly, we're just talking about it, and it's like it's not that big of a deal. Start like, it's fine. We're playing it up, guys. It's you know.
1: We still love you, it's but fun. but uh, love is a two way street. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. We've seen we've had some play on, on Twitter. For those of you who've stayed engaged, we appreciate it. Yeah, that. yeah, we love you guys. We love you. Big friends of the pod. Um you wanna jump in, talk some father John. Let's get going. I've right. no plans at all, I've nothing It's gonna be great. Down. No, this is what, I have this nothing is what written great down. pods are born of. Throughout the podcast, you're like, hmm, Jake seems you like you seem came
0: ill prepared for Jake, this.
1: Jake Jake seems like you came to this one with your fucking pants down, dude. <laughs> what the hell? Jake, maybe come with one salient point. <laughs>
0: You I mean, yeah. they, see, I told you, you I was gonna start using that word. Fancy ten-dollar word. <laughs> Five-dollar word. Ten-dollar word. Uh, all right, let's let's hop in. Ready? All right. Yep. Three, two, one.